Our theme music comes to us from very own Riverhouse Church musicians. Isn't that a fun fact? It's so great. I love it. I don't know if our listeners know that yet, but... I think that woo in it is Becca. Is it? I think so. Oh, I'm pretty I sure. I love that. That's which is so fun. great. I haven't talked to her about that, but... I know Miles and I think Ryan Diamisis yeah. and Chad probably. Probably. We just, we just have such great musicians at our church. It's a great little bumper track. I love to listen to it every week when I'm editing. <laughs> That's fun. It's so nice. <laughs> anyway, that being said... Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our discussions. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may this shape us to look more like you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now grab a cup of peppermint tea and enjoy the Deep Waters Podcast. Glad you're here. I'm Jace Langley. I'm Benjamin Olson. We both work at Riverhouse Church. It's true, here in Boise, Idaho, and we like to discuss things about the Lord and how we can look like Him and um, bring His kingdom onto earth more and more all the time. (laughs) And today is the second of we don't know how many in a little series about praise, worship, and glory inspired by Pastor Jordan Verner, as well as this book written by Ruth Ward Heflin called Glory, Experiencing the Atmosphere of Heaven. McDougal Publishing, 2000. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know what year it was, but... I was going to guess like 1980s, maybe. Oh, maybe. I could be wrong. Oh, 1990. Ooh. Oh, I was close. Before my birth. It's a great book. Um, it's challenging and beautiful and just making me think about praise in really new and creative ways. And what we talked about in last week's podcast, if you didn't have a chance to listen to it, was a lot about body movement, dancing, and how that can be an aspect of praise that opens us up to like a part of um, praising God and worshiping God that we don't otherwise access unless we are moving our bodies in certain ways. So if you're interested in that topic, slide back and to the last episode and give that a listen. Yeah, it's good. We touched on like even just the the act of posture in worship and how sometimes it just takes this physical act to even align our hearts to what the Lord wants to do inside of us. So it is a, it is a good listen. I'm not a dancer and I even I found myself dancing more with my son at home this week wow. just in a goofy way, but it just there was just this freedom to dance more and mm. um Still, at home, alone. We'll see how the Lord moves my heart, but I don't think you'll see me on the worship stage anytime soon, but Give it a you never know. Two. Get ready. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, at the end of last week's podcast, we'll give you a little teaser about what we're going to be talking about this week, mm-hmm. and we'll just dive in right where we left off. Totally. That's all right about Hosea chapter 2. Um, There's a Bible verse in Hosea chapter two that Ruth Ward Heflin brings up at the beginning of her book. And I just want to provide a little bit of biblical context for that, if I can. Yeah, please do. Um, So strap on your nerd hat, if you'd like, and follow me on some biblical studies context. Uh, Hosea was a prophet of God. Are you going to read the passage? Oh, yeah. Should we read it right now? Yeah, maybe maybe start... Well, I mean, do you want to give more context before yeah, you read it? Yeah, let me provide a little context okay. first. Sorry, jump the gun. Yeah, Sorry, no, dear listener. No, it's okay. No guns here. Just <laughs> oh, don't worry. <laughs> That's good. I, I jumped the Nerf gun. There you go. I definitely have those in my office. There you go. That's the anointing of youth ministry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Hosea was a prophet of God. He's most famous for the fact that the Lord asked him to prophetically marry um, prostitute named Gomer. Well, I think he wasn't specific about which prostitute, but the Lord said, marry prostitute and have children of prostitution. 
And this will be like a prophetic act of my relationship to my people. And that even though my people are like prostituting themselves with other gods, I'm still going to be faithful to them. Man, crazy. Is that wild? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we could do a lot on that. We're not going to because it doesn't necessarily pertain exactly to this passage that Ruth Ward Heflin brings up, but um, that's some of the context. Hosea was prophesying mostly to the northern tribe of Israel. So if you know, Israel was split into two kingdoms after Solomon. And the northern tribe, which was made up of... Judah? Not 10 Judah. tribes. We okay. just call it Israel. Israel, right. And the southern tribe is called Judah. So you got it. Um, it. It can get confusing because you think about Israel as all of the people of God. And then sometimes the Bible just refers to Israel as the northern kingdom only. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so for the sake of clarity, I'll just yeah. say Hosea was in the northern kingdom Uh, He was prophesying. He was being very convicting. He was telling the Northern Kingdom, especially about how if they didn't come back to the Lord and treat the Lord like their God, then there was going to be some really severe persecution um, or judgment that was going to come upon Mm -hmm. them in the form of other nations conquering them, which ultimately happened in, I think, the year 722 BC. Wow. I love that you know that. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> I have just been studying this. So. For sure. It's, yes. it's top of mind. Mm-hmm. But um, So it sounds harsh, especially compared to like nice Christian Bible language where Jesus is holding a little lamb and playing with children mm-hmm. on his lap. And sometimes we get that picture and God is love. And also we're told that God is slow to anger. And at this point in scripture, he has been slow to anger, but time for justice has arrived. Mm-hmm. So, um, destruction is coming for Israel because they have committed themselves to other things. In fact, this is kind of wild, but Hosea has three different children with Gomer, his prostitute wife, and two of the children have really wild names. The first one is called Jezreel, which means God sows or God plants. The next one is called, um, Lo Ruhama, Lo Ruhama. Sorry, I'm I'm not brushed up on that word, but Lo just means no in Hebrew, and Ruhama, or Ruhama means compassion. So this kid's name is No Compassion. That's a bummer. In other words, the Lord will not show compassion to this child, and the next child is Lo Ami, which means Lo not Um is people and E at the end is my. So his name is not my people. Wow. And this is the son of one of his prophets. And the Lord tells Hosea to name them these things. So it's anyway, not a super comfortable name for your child to be given by the Lord. It says, name him lo ami for you are not my people and I will not be your God. So there's this sense of you have, you have distanced yourself so much from me. You have betrayed me so much that there's going to have to be some destruction and some separation here. That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. And this has happened a handful of times in the Bible. And when the Northern tribe gets destroyed, it's one of the most devastating times. Also the Babylonian exile we hear more about, which happened like 140 years later. But um, anyway, it's not without hope. And that's what I want to draw attention to. That's going to bring us into our Bible verse to, for today. So God says, name him low me for you are not my people and I will not be your God. Immediately after that, it says yet the number of the Israelites will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or counted. All of a sudden you're coming back to the promise of Abraham and in the place where they were told, you are not my people. They will be called sons of the living God wow. or children of the living God. All the Judeans and the Israelites or all of the Southern and Northern tribe will be gathered together and they will appoint for themselves a single ruler and go up from the land 
for the day of Jezreel will be great. Um, call your brothers, my people, and your sisters, compassion. So in one breath, the Lord says, I will not have compassion. You will not be my people. And then in the next breath, God says, and yet I will redeem that. And you will be my people. And I will have compassion on you. It's so good. And that tension is something that the book of Hosea is laced with all the way through. And because of that, it is one of the more convicting and one of the more hopeful prophetic books in the Bible, I think. Wow, that's so good. So anyway, thank you for letting me set that context a little bit. Now... um, now we can read the passage. Yeah, that's for okay. Sure. Totally. This is what Ruth Ward Heflin quotes at the very beginning of her book. This is in a discourse where the Lord is saying really hopeful things about redemption. The Lord says, and in that day, when I'm bringing you back to me, when I'm redeeming all things, and in that day, I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth and the earth shall answer the grain, the wine and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel. And I will sow her for myself in the land and I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. Wow. So it's another one of those passages where God is like, turning the names of the people that he rebuked inside out and bringing them back in. In what I just read, it translated the word for compassion as mercy, but that's the same Hebrew word. Mm -hmm. Wow. Hmm. How cool. I think, I mean, what sticks out to me in this, sorry, when you read that, um, this could also have been a prophetic word about the time um, after the coming of, or the time that after Christ, essentially. Huh. You know, it's like, um, and cause I feel like this, that's where, if we're experiencing what this is talking about now, like there, we're kind of in this place where we've been reconciled through Christ to God as wow. his people. And wow. that's where like, I think even their connection for Ruth Ward Heflin is able to like, I don't know. I, cause I was like this all for when I first read this, I'm like, this is all old Testament you know, and I'm like, how does this relate to this book? And I had all these questions, but now just sitting here listening to that, I'm like, I think, could this not also be pointing to the redemption of that time from, you know, exile or whatever, but also the coming of Christ and his redemption for people and reconciliation with God? Wow. I don't know. Wow. No, I think you're <laughs> absolutely right. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even set you up to say that, but that was exactly perfect. Oh, great. Perfect. (laughs) Which just gives me confidence that the Holy Spirit is in our conversation today. So that makes me feel good. So good. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. So like, that's what it looks like in our post Jesus context. I think you're exactly right. That like Paul says in Ephesians two, that we had forsaken the Lord. And because of that, we were enemies of the Lord. And yet in his mercy, he saved us through his grace. Um, so, so that cool. there's like New Testament language on the same concept that like we don't deserve this. And the distance was necessary because we create a distance between ourselves and God. Mm-hmm. And yet God is so committed to us that he's going to draw us back mm-hmm. in. That's so good. However he can. Isn't that beautiful? Praise God. Praise God for God. <laughs> praise God for God. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so in this, I I think, um, even just this poetic language is fun to point out. God says, I will answer the heavens and the heavens will answer the earth. So you get this picture that like the earth is crying out to the heavens and in an agricultural context, you'd be thinking, oh, the earth is dry and it wants, it wants water. It needs Mm -hmm water for crops. So the land is crying out to the skies, but the skies can't just produce the the water. It's crying out to the Lord for clouds to bring rain into it so that it can respond to the land crying out. Yeah. Like that's the imagery that is poetically being used here. And it follows all the way down to the people of God 
in Jezreel, which we could get into a whole history of that. I did some study earlier today. I won't go there. Jezreel? Jezreel. Okay. What was the, because it was his name too, his son's name? Yes. I don't know why his son's name is also Jezreel. What did it mean? Jezreel means God sows or God plants. Not sowing Mm -hmm. as in fabric, but sowing as in planting Mm -hmm. seeds. Um, That feels relevant. Very relevant, right? To agriculture. Totally. Yeah. It was a city in, um, in a valley so the city's called Jezreel. The valley is also called the Jezreel Valley. Oh, wow. So there's a little bit of inception action so going on there. So there's a lot of Jezreel happening. Yeah. It's famous for a couple of different things in the Old Testament. Ahab had a palace in Jezreel, and Ahab was one of the more wicked kings in the history of the Bible. Um, did some gnarly stuff. A bunch of people were slaughtered in Jezreel by a king named Jehu. There's like all of this oh. history of bad things happening totally. in this valley. And uh, I won't go into it too much, but the Bible has this pattern in it about injustice happening. Um, and then the cry of the people and even the cry of the land for justice to come in the place where there has been injustice. And the first time that takes place is with Cain and Abel, um, where Cain kills Abel. And then God comes and says, the blood of your brother Abel has been crying out to me from the ground. Hmm. Um, And so anyway, with Jezreel, so many terrible things happened in that valley, so much bloodshed that, there's similar motifs that are happening here. You get this picture that like the people and even the land, all of creation is groaning. You could pull that bit from Romans eight for God to come and respond and to bring justice and to make things right. And God says in this part of Hosea chapter two, in that day, I will answer those cries. Hmm. That's so good. And uh, yeah, Anyway, that was, that was a broad stroke kind of sprint through the scriptures. I hope that all made sense. No, I loved it. And what's fun is that like Ruth Ward Heflin is this delightful Pentecostal praiser of the Lord who receives this Bible verse from the Lord in kind of a prophetic moment from God when she's just moved to Jerusalem and she doesn't know what a ministry of hers is going to look like. And people are asking like, where are our tracks Mm -hmm. so that we can start evangelizing and handing out the gospel to different people on the streets. And Ruth basically just hears from the Lord in one of her dreams that you shall sow heavenward and that I from heaven will sow earthward, which is pulling the language from this. So I guess I don't know if from that context or just from hearing that, Jace, what do you think it means to sow heavenward to sow heavenward? Yeah. I was initially confused by that just cause I hadn't heard that terminology. Yeah. But once I realized it's like, <clears throat> this is, I mean, I think this is kind of the, the way prayer works in a way, even though prayer is such a hard thing to describe how it works. Um, (laughs) but it's like, we pray to God and then we believe with faith that God will respond to our prayers, um, when they are aligned with the person Mm -hmm. of Jesus Mm -hmm. and who he is and his will. That's a very messy description, but yeah, I'm like, that's, (laughs) that's, that's what I think of. It's like, I think, I don't know. I think I'm, how do I say this? I'm not wary of the way this is said, but I don't want it to think like we're going to sow heaven. We're like, do our good, say our good things, our right things and our good works. And then like, we will be rewarded with good things and good works and wow. all that kind of stuff. I feel like that's a dangerous yeah. and icky route. And mm. I don't, I don't believe she's talking about that, but yeah. that's without the context of her story. As I'm slowly reading it, I'm starting to like the idea more, but just when I first heard that, I was like, I don't know how this lands with me. Mm. If I'm honest, I like your honesty. Thanks. I'm, yeah. I really like chance the rapper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anybody else? Oh yeah. <laughs> I just brought this up earlier today with Jordan Sodeman, but, um, and it's a great song, but I, I kind of have a similar issue with his line where he says the praises go up and the oh. blessings come down. Yeah. 
it feels mm-hmm. like blessings keep falling on my lap. Mm-hmm. You know that? Totally. It's like, oh, it's almost like this formula. Oh, I'm just going to send praises into mm-hmm. the heavens and then I'm just going to get blessed. And so if I want blessings from heaven, if I want nice things, then I'll just praise God. And I don't know if that's what chance means. For sure. But that's what his song kind of sounds like. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, I think I think that's where if I, I think I've as I've read her more, the examples she gives are so not as much tied to physical blessings, but the presence of God. Wow. Do you, have you gotten that too? Yes. I think and so it's like, it's not like they're praising difference. for, you know, a new house in Jerusalem that they can worship in or whatever, yeah. or they're praising for even like the healing of people every single time. Yeah. It's like, we're praising for the, so that the presence of God may come and invade yeah. our people the people across the street, people across the world, yeah. that kind of thing. And I, I really like that. And I totally, for some reason, can get behind that way quicker. That's cool. Um, and I think it's a really beautiful picture of like, we're going to, we're going to, our, like um, we've talked about, like the incense will rise with our praises, like it says in Revelation. And it's like, that's so biblical. Like when we praise, it's like incense to the Lord. It's oh. a sweet sound to his ear. There's all these like things we say and do. Um, and then that is poured out through the Lord working on the earth and through justice and through love of and restoration of his people. Wow. Yeah. Amen. Can I give a, a little mm. biblical context for what you just said in Please. case people haven't heard those words? Yeah. I would like the biblical context too, if I'm honest. Well, the, so. I just love that you brought all of that up because, <laughs> um, yeah, like one aspect of the tabernacle, which is not something that we still have today. This was the tent that Moses met with God in, in the wilderness. Um, it was called the tabernacle. You can read about it in Exodus. It's like the first temple kind of. Basically, yeah, it was the mobile temple. It was the temple, but it was a tent so you could pack it up and move it along because they weren't planted in a city yet or in a, in a nation. It's the temple on tour. Yeah, yeah. the temple on tour. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The temple with legs. <laughs> so uh, it had a handful of elements in it that the temple later would also have. Um, if you walked in, which you couldn't unless you were a priest and you were anointed appropriately, but if you walked in, you'd see to your left was the menorah or the the lamp stand, the big fancy candlestick, <laughs> and it's gold. Yeah, totally. And to your right, there's a big fancy table with bread on it. And these things are symbolic. The lampstand is the light and presence of God that is shining down on the Lord's people. And the 12 loaves of bread on the table represent the Lord's people. So there's this like holy relationship between God and his people right there as you walk in. But then directly in front of you as you walk into the tabernacle is what's called the altar of incense. I recently learned it would have been about three and a half feet tall. Oh, wow. And so if you're if you're before the altar of incense in order to show reverence to it and to not tower over it, you're supposed to kneel to demonstrate your submission to the Lord in your prayer. And then when you kneel for a grown man at that time, it might've been about like right in front of his face, the bowl of incense that they're burning and their instruction was to burn incense all the time. And that the incense represented the prayers of God's people rising up to the Lord, like a pleasing aroma to him. Um, and I, I love, even though we're so removed from that kind of religiosity, I, I love the symbolism there at its purest form, because yeah. what it's demonstrating is that um, God wants us to always be praying, him, praying to him and seeking him. And it's a pleasing aroma to him when we do so, mm-hmm. which is why we sing day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get a picture of these bowls of incense in Revelation chapter five that are the prayers of the people that have been going up into heaven and then accumulating in these golden bowls. And the elders have them and the beasts have them and they pour out the, the incense onto the earth in order to bring the prayers of the saints to fruition by the sovereignty of God. Um, so anyway, wow, that's a broad stroke of yeah. that, but it's um, so cool going up into heaven, sowing heavenward could look like incense 
as a symbol of our heart uh, sowing or investing. I like the word sowing because it's not like prayer isn't even a request in that case. It's like an investment. I'm planting something in heaven Mm -hmm. and God is tending to it and he's going to reap the harvest of it. Um, like using those agricultural metaphors make me think about prayer differently. Yeah, totally. You know, that's so good. I'm not just like submitting a request to the board. saying that we mend to it or God mends to it? That's a good question. (laughs) I think what I just said is that God probably Mm -hmm. tends to it. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, like, yeah. I mean, these are just big questions. Like are are like, you know, the seeking after something for a long time in prayer. Mm -hmm. Like, is that, I think there's something to continuous praying for something until you get like a no, I've heard. Yeah. That like, that's so important. And so it's mm-hmm. as if you're working the fields too that's good. on our, on our end. Yeah. That's so crazy. I think this is slightly off track, but I love it. It's my signature move in this podcast. <laughs> um, what's really cool. I think about the Bible is I feel like there's so many like physical representations for then what happens like even spiritually now like post jesus Hmm. like even like the exile like back in the old testament is a physical exile and a physical conquering and then in the new testament it's a it's a exile of choice by us from god and like in the old testament it's an actual bowl of incense an actual light an actual bread but in now it's our our prayers are, are like incense it's all like i don't know like i just getting this that's good i don't know cool correlation between What's happening, what happened physically in the Old Testament kind of happens in the spiritual realm now where we don't see as much in the physical. Yeah, that's beautiful. I don't know. It was more of a shower thought. but That's a great shower thought. <laughs> I'm glad you shared it. Because I, th- I think the more that I've studied the Old Testament, the more I realize that those physical realities in the Old Testament are also spiritual realities in the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. And that those spiritual realities have just continued into our day and age, but post Christ, they've been magnified and they've been extended. So like, for example, you have a lot of language around the, the people of Israel being God's people and God's people are meant to be a light to all of the nations, a kingdom of priests Mm -hmm. to all those around so that the kingdom of God can spread around the world through their influence post Jesus. Now we're grafted into that story, regardless of our ethnicity or our national heritage. And while there was like, there was technically room for that in the old Testament, it's just like God's beautiful spiritual truths have been broadened to include more and to tear down the walls of law that felt oppressive and legalistic Um, and the law that was once a gift became legalistic. So the Lord fulfilled the law so that we might live by grace. And it's like, wow, there are steps of fulfilling what was spiritually true in the old Testament to make it even more approachable. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, yeah, I don't know what the other word approachable is. Maybe all I need to say, but Mm -hmm. I hope that made sense. Oh yeah. That was so good. Oh, good. No, that's really cool. Yeah, I like that idea of they were always spiritual truths, you know? Yeah. Then it becomes spiritual truths. I think that was a better way of saying that. I like that. God is just really cool, and the Bible gets better all the time. The more I read it, the more (laughs) it blows my mind. I feel the same way. Hmm. And uh, can I come back to another thing you said? Yeah, for sure. When you were distinguishing Ruth from Chance the Rapper, (laughs) which no shade on Chance the Rapper. Genuinely love the guy. But... um, I don't know what his relationship with the Lord looks like. I can just mm. listen to his rap music. But um, you were making this comment like, well, Ruth Ward Heflin isn't talking about blessings coming down from heaven that are like material things that she wants out of her own flesh. Mm-hmm. They're things that she knows God wants and that she yes. wants because God wants them. Mm-hmm. 
that she's like coming into alignment with God's vision for the kingdom in Jerusalem. And so when she moves to the city of Jerusalem, she praises and asks for the Lord to have his will in Mm. that place. Yeah. And language that she uses that I had never heard before is like actually cultivating an atmosphere of, um, of heaven in Jerusalem and even in the whole nation of Israel, such that as she and the people in her prayer movement continue to pray and to praise, um, that atmosphere is set so that people are just catching God walking around the city. And it's not even because they talked to Ruth Wow, yeah, or one of the people that she's with. Um, the atmosphere is just changing. Like, and I guess in order to believe that you have to believe that the spiritual world is much more significant than like a modern Western American post enlightenment thinker believes it is totally. That's so good. I love that. You know, I like that challenges some of my categories for reality. Mm -hmm. Like, can I really pray? This is, this is one thing that Ruth does that blew my mind in a chapter called praise as warfare. She gets this vision from God that she's supposed to travel to, I forget all the countries. Nigeria, I think was the first one. Uh, Free town, Sierra Leone, Sierra Leone, I think also. Um, So she's like hopping around to these different countries. One of them, she goes to Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And uh, she tells the story. Literally, she left the airport climbed a mountain that looked over the city and she worshiped and danced and praised God on this mountain. And then she got on a flight and flew to Virginia. And I was like, wait, 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 (laughs) you you didn't even have a meeting. Mm -hmm. She didn't preach a sermon. She didn't connect with a church. There was no encouragement of the saints and not that those things would have been bad, but she found praying over the city of Rio de Janeiro so significant that she flew to Brazil just to do that and then flew away. And she found out in hindsight that there was this huge conference that these Christians in Brazil wanted to put on in a different city because they felt the spiritual atmosphere was better in that other city. But because of technical difficulties, they had to do it in Rio. So they moved it to Rio two days after Ruth had prayed over the city. Wow. And the conference took place that next weekend. And apparently it was a radical conference where countless people got saved. Like in order to do something like that, you have to radically believe in the power of praise and believe that it really does something to this, the physical space that you inhabit. Oh man. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I think, I think it's more than even just like the physical space that we inhabit. Cause I think we can sow for people that were that are not in our city too mm. in that way. But I think it's powerful that she did that. Wow. I just, I don't know if I believe in prayer as much as she does. <laughs> Me too. I'm feeling I like convicted. feeling very convicted right now. Like that, just even like what you talked about, like believing that the spiritual realm is far more real than the physical realm. Like, I, I mean, I feel like I, that's head knowledge for me. Sure. Has not, hit my heart yet if i'm honest in my journey with christ um i wish it i wish it was i want to be there um so god like you know i know you're hearing this (laughs) let's do this um and i love what you said about like she wanted what god wants i think Mm. that's like so key to this Mm. it's like hmm God, God wants his people to be reconciled to him. And, and I think we often look at a lot more symptomatic things. Um, and we start to pray for those, but what if we just prayed for his presence first and foremost to come over a city? That just blows my mind and like really does, like you said, break some boxes. Wow. Like Lord, like let us, let us want what you want. Yeah. Hmm. If if I can figure out what the Lord wants in a moment, then I know w- what I ought to be praying for. Mm-hmm. What I what my praise ought to look like because I'm coming into alignment with the Lord's will. Yeah. That yeah, I really relate to you, Jace. I feel like 
some of this stuff is n- almost head knowledge and not heart knowledge. Yeah. Even. Like totally. I, I hope that I have the kind of faith to mm-hmm. manifest some of this stuff in my own life. But yeah. there's this, um, I have a story in my personal life. Would this be a good time to share? Please. This? That'd be wonderful. <clears throat> and this is like, this is where it's like, I think moving closer to heart knowledge for me at times is, um, shortly after my wife and I got engaged, um, we were just sitting in my parents' kitchen and <clears throat> all of a sudden out of nowhere, it felt like I take a, I took a truth pill and just told her all of the hidden sin I was struggling with. And, um, I mean, it wasn't easy for both of us. It started us on a long journey, but hindsight looking back, I'm like, I don't know why I shared this right now. I'm like, I, I've gone for years and years and years keeping this hidden and have been perfectly fine, have been, um, happily duped by the enemy. Wow. And, (laughs) and it's just, and so I, I just was shocked for a while and obviously, and then, um, a while later I was in a prayer set at river house and we started to pray that chains would break in the valley and that relationships would be restored and like just like praying over people's situations on a broad scale. And I felt like this realization, whether from the Holy spirit or just connecting the dots, I was like, Oh my gosh, I think that's what was happening when I told my wife everything that I was struggling with. I think someone was praying somewhere, even if it was like a Vietnamese person praying in Vietnam, that chains would break over the United States. It's like, there was something that I can't see or know in the spiritual realm that like broke off. And it was actually the first time where I found freedom from the, it was sexual sin that I was struggling with. And like I had shared many times different parts, but never to such an extent and to such a um, compilation of everything that I've done. Uh, And yeah, ever since then, chains were completely broken off F- fell in that moment wow. once I shared that. So that's where I'm like, this is, I like, I know that God works and that, um, and that when we sow into heaven, he pours out wow. and things change here on earth. <laughs> praise Jesus. Praise, praise God. For I'm that. so glad you shared that. I'm even thinking about in my life. I mean, none of us will ever know all the people that prayed for us mm-hmm. and even if we did somehow know that we will never know how those prayers really affected our lives. But my grandma is a, a huge prayer warrior to me. Mm, yeah. I just adore her. I adore all of my family and all of my family prays. My grandma is especially a prayer warrior though. And I feel like grandmas just have a direct line to heaven. You I know, think, so there's something about do. that. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Mm. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. Blessed are the meek yeah. for they shall inherit the earth. That's what I'm thinking about with mm-hmm. my grandma. She's just perfect. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and That's so sweet. I, I don't know when this kind of a realization occurred to me, but I think somewhere along the line in my discovery of the Lord and prayer and deepening in faith, it occurred to me that I probably am the person I am in large part because of the prayers of my grandma over my life. Wow. And I don't, I don't even have like a breakthrough moment like you just described in my life to describe, to, to say like, Oh, that was probably my grandma praying for that one specific moment. I just, it's, I I have the faith. I really have the eyes of faith to think if she didn't spend as much time on her knees with me in her heart, then Mm. I think I'd be a different person. I believe that even if all the circumstances in my life were exactly the same Mm -hmm. and I don't have any way to prove that other than my faith. And, Mm -hmm. and in a way that's kind of beautiful. It is really cool. It's so cool. And maybe it's, it's better that way. If it wasn't better that way, I guess the Lord would have designed it differently, Mm -hmm. but that gives me faith to continue to pray. Also, Mm -hmm. I've seen radical breakthrough in a handful of people's lives around me through prayer and prayer sometimes that took years and years for anything to come. And then all of a sudden, I don't know. It's like the bowl of incense pours out. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, yeah. I, I love that you connected that. Yeah. It's like, it's, yeah. I feel like I've seen that in people's lives too, where 
we pray for transformation or we pray for, yeah, anything. And it's like, you know, God can choose to slowly transform someone over time, but there usually is this moment where it's like things really start to change Wow, as, as if a bowl was poured out and it all comes rushing down. Wow. That's stunning. discussion it is <laughs> welcome my my head is in the clouds right yeah. now <laughs> and if you don't know what ethereal means just put your head in the clouds and maybe you'll find it totally totally <laughs> i uh, want to bring up another story from the bible that ruth mentions yes please in do. that warfare chapter um it's a story from second chronicles one of a bible nerd's favorite characters because of his silly name Jehoshaphat. Incredible. I bet you could have guessed and I wouldn't have even oh, yeah. said that. Totally. Jehoshaphat is the man. I tried to name our son Jehoshaphat, but my wife was not keen on that. Whoa. I don't have a kid yet. Maybe I can still make that yeah. happen. Or Nimrod. <laughs> <laughs> Nimrod is a much less righteous person. That is true. But <laughs> still cool. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay. So in the story of Israel... This is Judah now. We're in the southern tribe. Uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20, if you want to read it. Really brief nutshell. I'm just going to say that um, the Ammonites and I think the Moabites, basically the people around Judah are coming to fight them. These are bad people. Yeah. These are the bad guys. They're Mm -hmm. coming and they want to destroy Judah. They want to destroy God's people. And Jehoshaphat is a righteous king who tore down the altars to the other gods and devoted the sanctuary of the Lord purely to him. You know, there were a handful of those throughout the the history of Israel. Mm -hmm. He's one of them. And when the other nations are coming to fight, it becomes really evident to, to Jehoshaphat that they have no chance of winning this massive war battle. No chance. If you look at the numbers, they're totally outnumbered. Um, they're just going to get wrecked. And Jehoshaphat at one point is praying. And it's one of the more beautiful parts of the Old Testament, I think. Um, it's, it's his prayer in chapter 20, verses 5 through 12. And one of the things he says in it is, we don't know what to do, Lord, but mm-hmm. our eyes are on you. Like, I have no clue how we're going to make it through this, Papa. <laughs> I call God Papa sometimes. I didn't mean to say that. That just slipped out. But um, we don't. We have no idea what yeah. we're going to do, Lord. But we're just going to look to you because we literally have no hope unless you do something sweet. And we hope that you do. So please come. Yes. <laughs> and so their army is marching into battle. And you know what Jehoshaphat does? Here, I'll read it. Verse 20. As they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, and when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. There, Jehoshaphat's pointing them to faith Mm -hmm. in God. He's not saying, like, gird yourselves you know, practice the best swordsmanship. Yeah. No, this is, that's not, not a pump up speech that you would have heard on Braveheart, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Verse 21. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and sang, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. In other words, they're marching into battle and Jehoshaphat says, will the like nicely dressed singers please go in front and just praise God's faithful love. Wow. And you'll just be the tip of the spear in this war effort because we have no hope except God. Mm-hmm. So just praise him because what else are we going to do? Wow. <laughs> Those are eyes of faith. Totally. And then anyway, you can read, spoiler alert, right after that. Israel doesn't even need to fight because all of a sudden the warring nations that are coming against them turn against each other and there's complete calamity and they all end up 
falling by the sword and Israel's untouched. Crazy. In other words, God fights their battle. Mm -hmm. And that's what Ruth Ward Heflin points out. Like when you lead with praise, thankfulness, trust in the Lord, God will fight your battles. Wow. And even if he doesn't, I'm thinking of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's words right before they're thrown into the furnace. says, our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we will never bow to your idols. Like, yeah. we will die happily knowing that that God is taking care of us. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's wild faith. Like, that's... <laughs> That's all-star faith right now. (laughs) That's Hall of Fame faith. I mean, I feel like, you know, professional faith is like, (laughs) I believe that God can save me. But like all-star Hall of Fame faith is like, even if God doesn't, I will still be like, wow. I will, you know, still be loyal to God. That's so cool. That's stunning. Also, that that whole story brings like new insight to the, the song. Like, this is how I fight my battles. Wow. Oh, I'm glad you made that connection. I just, I'm like, oh, I like that song again. Wow. It was a bit oversung for a while, which is a total like (laughs) preference privilege standpoint to say, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm like, I'm going to listen to that song again. That's a good one. Wow. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like that. I'm just going to praise. That's my fight Mm -hmm. because God fights my battles. Wow. So I wonder when we come on a Sunday, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to ground this in the practical. Totally. When we come to church on a Sunday and our hearts are heavy for something in our personal lives, even for something in the life of a loved one, or maybe not even that, but for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine mm-hmm. who are currently real time going through terrible warfare. Oh yeah. Or brothers and sisters in Iran who are persecuted for their faith all the time. And yet their church is still flourishing. Like there's no shortage of people and things to pray for in mm-hmm. this world. Um, in praise, we can lift those things to the Lord and trust that he's going to fight the battle. Wow. That, that was Ruth Ward Heflin's conviction. I love that. I think so, so often I do this thing where I get... I'll hear some bad news, you know, terrible story or things happening across the world or the plight of the people of North Korea, for instance. And I get really depressed and down and pretty hopeless. Yeah. And I completely forget about the power of prayer in those moments. Wow. And, and now praise, you know, but like how, I don't know. I just, I want my go-to to be God (laughs) in those moments of like, Lord, you, I trust you. I trust you in this. I trust that you're going to send people, that you're going to redeem the situation, that you're going to um, prepare or provide um, and judge correctly and take it off of me. And I feel like praise and the way that Ruth Ward Heflin Heflin describes it is there's a levity to it. There's a dance to it. There's a, there's a releasing of, um, the responsibility that we even feel to change Hmm. the situation and like, let God take care of it. Um, I don't want people to misread what I'm saying that we shouldn't have any active role in helping people. Sure. Like if, if in that moment, then you are compelled to go do something by the Holy spirit, absolutely always follow the Lord's prompting. Um, but I don't know. That's just, that remind me of that kind of cycle that I get into of like reading something sad or struggling with something in my personal life and getting down and hopeless mm. and praise brings hope because it acknowledges what God's going to do. Wow. I don't know. Well, that sounded like a really good quote. That last part. I don't know if it was, but like it sounded as if it could be a really good quote. Yeah, I think it was a really good quote. <laughs> uh, quote Jace Langley is, this, is officially it? going on Google. What was it? Praise? Mm, I even forgot it now. So it wasn't. Uh, that I don't remember quote. quite how you remembered it. Well, we'll scale back and okay. listen to it. Praise was the, is the, that's something God is going to do. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, put that on a poster. That's yeah. a great one. Well, those inspirational nature pictures in the background. <laughs> yes. No, 
I, I think if you have the real faith to believe that, then when you come to worship on a Sunday and we sing a song for an hour, you're actually going to have the faith to believe that we're not just there to enjoy nice music. Um, something very significant is happening. Hmm. We are, we are participating with God in setting in an atmosphere of miracles. I think that's one thing that Ruth Ward Heflin said. Um, I think in talking about blind Bartimaeus, that Bartimaeus calls out to Jesus, acknowledges that he's the son of David. And in that, like acknowledgement is a form of praise and calling out like a setting for miracles took place and he was given sight though he'd been blind. Um, and not just like that we're, we're praising so that we can see the miraculous, but we praise because we love the Lord and we want the Lord to pour out into our midst. And like, if I really believe that, then even if I come to a Sunday worship set not feeling the best, I'm probably going to find a place of deep hope and encouragement because that faith is going to drive me to believe that that 45 minutes or hour long worship set means something like I'm planting seeds in the fields of heaven that wow. the Lord is going to reap and that harvest he's going to pour out in our midst in one form or another. There's something significant. Every time I turn my face to the Lord, I'm investing incense into one of those golden bowls in the hand of an elder like if, if I have that picture in my head, wow. Yeah. Like wow. all of a sudden those temptations that your prayer is meaningless start to fade away. Mm -hmm. Cause like those lies from the enemy don't have any power on me anymore. When I really believe that every single prayer means something from God's perspective. So good. Hmm. I think I've even, I don't know, recently I've in our worship sets, my process has been more of a, like a meditative contemplative stance and like stature. And this feels more active. Like I'm actually engaging in intercession uh -huh. by praising his name. Yeah. And it's not even, I have to like describe the prayer that I'm doing, but just praise him yeah. and let that incense rise. Um, and I like the, the engagement that that takes, you know, mm -hmm. instead of just kind of sitting there trying to focus on, everything or focus only on Jesus and nothing else. You know, that's kind of been like, I don't know, something I've been pursuing for a while is like in prayer times just to be able to focus on him, but to praise him is just as powerful. You know, it's yeah. just like, there's just, I don't know. One feels inactive. The other one feels active. And I like the, this praising idea a lot. Yeah. That's good. It reminds me of something that Ruth Ward Heflin said. I forget what chapter it was in and the, the first section. The first section is all about praise, by the way. And then the next one that we're going to talk about later is worship mm -hmm. and then glory. We praise until we enter worship and then we worship until the glory comes and then we stand in the glory is her quote. Um, but anyway, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm oh, you were just saying that there, are, there's like an active and a passive form yes, of prayer. Yep, yes. Yep. Thank you, Lord. And one thing that she points out is that she used to have a really um, earnest ministry of travailing, hmm. which if you don't know what that is, you're in good company because I don't think I really know what that is. But how she describes it is like you kneel or you lay or you sit before the Lord and you even bodily, but especially f spiritually, you agonize in birth pains of the coming of the kingdom of God. And with that travailing comes sometimes like, it's like a spiritual encounter of agony that is birthing something. Um, that's the way she describes it. And yeah. I don't have categories to understand what that even means, you know? Uh, and yet, anyway... 
Uh, yeah, that feels pretty active. If that's what you're going, that feels yeah. extremely active, doesn't it? <laughs> wow. But then it's funny because she said that was something that was a huge part of her ministry, and she really believed that travailing over nations and cities was how she saw people coming to the Lord. And then she describes that the Lord moved in her in praise and celebration. And actually, she wasn't meant to travail anymore. She felt like the Lord was just asking her to celebrate. And that celebration was an easier way to get there than travailing. And I, I don't want this to start to sound formulaic yeah, because it never is. But she, she is describing it like maybe the Lord is moving in different outpourings now and then. And maybe travailing was what she was supposed to have done. And maybe travailing is something that the Lord will move me into someday. I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Frankly, I kind of hope not because it sounds uncomfortable, yeah, but totally. um, I'd rather celebrate and dance and sing. Exactly. But if the Lord wants to move in that and chooses it as a powerful way to touch his world and his heart, then sign me up. And I think that's good. So yeah. why I was reminded of that is because JC were saying there's like listening prayer, focusing on the face of Jesus feels more passive maybe. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think if all of us find that our praise and our prayer looks different, than even anything that we've said so far in this podcast, that's a beautiful thing. Engaging with the Lord in any kind of way is a gift. It's a good way to put it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think we should say, oh, your way of praying is really nice, but it's elementary. Let me show you better ways to pray. Um, because elementary is where the children live. And Jesus says, become like a child. Let's go. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no, thank you for saying that. I think that was really, really a good disclaimer. Mm. Um, ah, it's good. I just feel like God is in the business of breaking my boxes all the time. Same. Just smashing them, <laughs> destroying them. Get wrecked. Oh, box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, it's fun. Thank you, God. Well, I think we've, uh, We've meditated on this pretty well. Mm -hmm. And this book is full of really cool testimonies. Ruth Ward Heflin talks about singing a new song. She talks about dancing on the nations. I shared some of that last week. And um, if you're interested in reading the book, you can. I think the link will be down below in the description. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I'm excited to get into the worship section i'm excited i'm like too where does this go from here you yeah. know because i'm like already it's like so box breaking yeah <laughs> i'm like oh boy <laughs> i think one thing that i want to encourage the listener to and myself to also definitely speaking to myself is that where we find ourselves uncomfortable in all of this conversation about prayer and worship i think there's an invitation to discover the good things of god that we haven't known yet Mm. and Come on. to play and to learn and experiment. I can experiment with dance. Say there's a little ribbon and flag that I can twirl around. Why not grab one and experiment mm -hmm. and like see what happens in the Lord? Um, Ruth Ward Heflin said that when she started dancing, she felt like the Lord was calling her to dance. She didn't want to, but she started wiggling her toes. And that was an experiment that led her into this huge praise ministry that broke out. So anyway, if you're listening and you find some of this uncomfortable, um, I don't want to say that any of your prayer or worship or praise up to this point has been insufficient. Absolutely. It's just that God is so beautiful and expansive. I was like big. That, that will big. <laughs> <laughs> expansive was a much prettier word. I mean, he's really large. There's just so many parts of him <laughs> i feel like he's expansive and multifaceted and i'm like okay yeah well, please oh, wow it sounds pretentious now <laughs> no no expansive I it's not it. no oh, i just was about I to love that i like to interrupt you and That's i'm glad i didn't that time so fun. but so then i did anyway did. so <clears throat> anywho what were you saying uh just that um there's always more yes there's always more. And yes, that's a is. good thing. That's mm -hmm. not a cause for insecurity. I It leads me to insecurity sometimes because I think, oh, wow, I've never known God through dance. And I don't want to because I'm not a good dancer. Or I've never known God through painting. And I don't want to because I'm terrible at that mm. or whatever. But it's an invitation to yeah. the more of God from so glory good. to glory. From glory to glory. 
And I praise God for Ruth Ward Heflin's life and the way that she is leading us into it and for Jordan Werner and for all of the others that are helping us in the process. Yes. So <laughs> good. Well, thanks for listening everybody to the deep waters podcast. We're happy that you joined us once again. And I, I pray, I pray that any insecurity is turned into wonder for you. I, I just pray that you continue to seek after God with all your heart, soul, and mind as we are trying to do here as well. Yeah. yeah. We love you guys. That's a stunning prayer. Do we need to say anything else? Uh, one more thing. Yes, go ahead. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>